0: Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human
1: experience. All right, Jeremy Mulder, welcome to the Center of the Universe, man. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no worries. I guess we should mention that uh, you and I connected through, should I call him the great Stefan Wolfen or is he just Stefan Wolfen?
2: And eh, we can call him the great. We can inflate his ego a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's That's fine. When, for, that, way, that way, when he hears it, he can be like, Hey, they called me the great Stefan.
1: Yeah. For the rest of his life, he can refer yeah, to it. Exactly. This. Yeah. Very cool. And, and you two know each other because you have teenage sons that play travel hockey. Correct. Yep.
2: We, uh, we have two, he has a son and I, my son play where they play hockey together. actually this will be the third year they've played hockey together.
1: And, and Jeremy, I have to tell you as a 52 year old from uh, Virginia, It's shocking to me that I'm talking to a guy who lives in Alabama right now from lower Alabama who uh, knows a guy from Atlanta, Georgia, and y'all are sending your kids all over the country to play ice hockey.
2: Yeah, it's a little nuts. I mean, we travel to Atlanta three times a week, so it's about two hours. Actually, according to the GPS, it's actually two hours and 18 minutes each way. Uh, We do that three times a week just for practice, and then we go all over the place for different tournaments and friendly games and
1: it sounds like a part time job for you and your wife. Yeah, pretty much. All right, so it is mean, it, son... takes, it
2: takes up a lot of time.
1: How many kids total do you have? Uh just one. Just the one. And, okay, and no, and... if
2: I had more than one, I would not be doing any of this. is <laughs> expensive.
1: <laughs> you've got you've got a full time gig, which we'll talk about later. And then you've got yep. uh a second full time gig, uh getting your kid all over the country to yeah, play ice pretty hockey. Pretty much. All right. Well, let's let me ask this. What position does he play?
2: He's a goalie.
1: Does he have aspirations of uh, playing at higher levels?
2: Uh, He does. His goal is to hopefully make it to the NHL one day or at least I should say at least get college paid for
1: if that would be awesome. Right. If he gets college paid for.
2: Yep, He wants a college scholarship. And if he's able to go even further, then the sky's the limit for him.
1: I'm I'm rooting for him just because you and I now know each other. But I'm also rooting for him because if he made the NHL, he'd have to be the first kid from Alabama to make. The
2: I NHL. believe actually he would be. That's that's crazy. I don't about, right? I don't think. I mean, we'd have to look it up later, but I don't honestly I don't think there's anybody from Alabama that's ever made it to the NHL. They're
1: they're all Russians, Canadians, and and guys that grew up in like the Northeast and the North Midwest.
2: Yeah, and there's some in California and Arizona. Really. Yeah. Uh what's his name? Um Austin. No, not Austin Matthews. Yeah, no, it is. It's Austin Matthews. He uh he was out in Arizona. Who is he? Uh he plays for Toronto. Okay. Yeah, he plays for Toronto. He's he actually grew up in there like grew up in Arizona and stuff. Actually a friend of ours, thinking about it, our friend I remember now a friend of ours, he grew up playing with him. Oh wow. Yep.
1: Now, you think desert when you think Arizona. You're not thinking ice hockey. Yeah, no,
2: I don't think ice hockey in Arizona. I've been to Arizona. It's terrible. I don't, <laughs> I've I mean, actually... per, me personally, I don't like Arizona. I mean, if anybody listens to this and they're from Arizona, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, but you're... I just don't like Arizona. It's entirely way too hot. When you can walk through a Walmart parking lot and you go inside Walmart and there's tar footprints because the <laughs> ground is so hot, that's a problem.
1: <laughs> it, it seems uh, inhumane or unhuman. A
2: little bit. And I've got family in Arizona. and They're like, why don't you come see us? No, it's I'm too hot. It's too 120 hot. degrees out there. I'm good.
1: Yeah. I'll stick with
2: my humidity.
1: Yeah. Why does anybody live in 120 degrees willingly? I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. All right, They like it out there. I don't. Yeah. I have no uh, desire to go out there either. All right. Oh, so no. you, you grew up in uh, Pensacola, Florida, which you and I refer to as like a lot of people that, that are familiar with the area as lower Alabama.
2: Yes, sir. L.A. So what, was like,
1: what was it like growing up in lower Alabama? Uh, actually, it wasn't too
2: bad. Big Davytown. Um, big football scene. Um, we've got... So the high school I went to, we had, we had... It's the actual high school Emmett Smith graduated from. Okay. Uh, I actually got to meet him my junior year. They added his name on to the football stable it's a bowl but they added it onto the football field added his name into it he came in and they had a whole ceremony for it uh did a lot of fishing growing up right there off the gulf and went to the beach a lot like to the point now that as i've grown up i don't even like hanging out at the beach
1: it's beautiful there right
2: oh no it is absolutely i mean the white the white sugar sand beaches and there's plenty of stuff to do. I mean, especially as you got older.
1: All right. So when you were, uh, when you had time to yourself to go do whatever you wanted, what were you doing most of the time
2: when when you were like 10, 10, 11,
1: 12, that kind of thing.
2: Uh, well, 10, 11, 12, I was either fishing with my buddies and their parents or whoever, and either that or doing woodwork with my grandpa.
1: Really? Yep. And you, you're in woodworking, which we're going to talk more about in a a bit, but, uh, and and I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, do you have all your, fingers
2: i do i got all 10
1: a lot of guys that work around actually a uh, couple
2: of weeks actually a couple of weeks ago i almost cut off this thumb ah
1: whoo
2: i was about this close to cutting it off and then i caught myself
1: <laughs> is, is grandpa still around yep does grandpa have all his digits yep that's that's unusual
2: yeah i don't know like i know i know plenty of guys that have got you know deformed fingers or missing fingers and stuff but i mean That is one thing he instilled in me when I was younger was safety around tools. And it's kind of, I mean, I got all 10 of my fingers. You got to
1: be uber focused and uber serious, right? When you're around that stuff. What? When you're working uh, with wood and and you're cutting and you've got blades whirring that can slice through bread like it's butter. You got to be super focused and uh, and really careful.
2: Yeah, no, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, When you were a teenager, what were you doing?
2: Uh, Playing football. And still doing woodwork, helping build houses and uh, all kinds of different stuff, cabinets, doors, anything, everything, and then fishing.
1: What, what position did you play in uh, football?
2: Uh, I was a guard, and then I also played linebacker every now and then, and sometimes I would play a uh, defensive tackle.
1: Did you enjoy playing the line?
2: I did. I did.
1: Guards I was, got to I've pull. Always, I
2: mean, I've always been a bigger dude so it was kind of fun to push other bigger dudes around
1: uh how how big of a dude were you in high school height and weight
2: uh when i graduated my senior year i was 62 315
1: oh my goodness all muscle right yeah yeah 315 yep all right so you you graduate high school you were you like I'm I'm gonna join the army because I've I've been waiting for a while to, to get in the army or was it you... uh
2: no. So actually when I graduated, I went to the Pensacola Junior College down there. Um I did that for a semester and I was like, yeah, no, that's not not really wanting to do college. Uh and then so I it was about a year and See, i graduated in may of 05 so and i joined in august of 06 so a year and two months yeah uh, and then i decided to join the army but before that i was actually going to join the navy as a fireman so i was a fireman down in pensacola um and i was working on my emt and all that stuff and then i was like all right well i'm gonna join the navy and be a fireman had my contract or i had went to meps on stuff everything was good and then was getting ready to go swear into the Navy and go off to basic, and my recruiter called me and said, "Hey, they're changing your contract. You're going to be you're going to be this." And I was like, "All right, well, I don't know what that is." And he was like, "It's an aviation fueler." I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, "You're going to be on an aircraft carrier or wherever, and you're going to fill jets." And I'm like, "I'm not doing that." Yeah. And he was like, "Well, you have to." I was like, "No, I don't. I haven't raised my right hand at all yet." And so I went next door to the Army recruiter, and I was like, "Hey, man." I want to be infantry. And he looked at my ASVAB scores and he's like, you're not going to be infantry. He's like, you need to be a medic with your background. I was like, all right, whatever. I'll be a medic then.
1: You get to do hard stuff like the infantry. You just, uh, you're fixing them up instead of, uh,
2: yeah, exactly. He was like, you get to train with them. You'll get to do all the fun stuff with them. He goes, but you'll be the medic. I was like, all right, whatever, man, that works. And then August, uh, August 3rd, 2006, I took off and joined the army.
1: All right, so did you serve because you had always wanted to serve as a as a younger kid? I did.
2: I did. Yeah. My uh, my grand both of my granddads were in the Navy. Um, three of my uncles were in the Marines. Two of them did like four years, and then the other one he did twenty plus years in the Marines. And then my great grandpa was in was actually in the Army Air Corps during World War II. He was a B twenty nine nose gunner.
1: Yeah. All of them, all of them badasses, I'm sure, right?
2: Uh,
1: most of them badasses,
2: yeah, yeah, we could say
1: that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I'm an army guys, so I don't really, you know,
1: no, well, your great great grandfather technically was in the army as well, yeah.
2: Uh, no, he was. I mean, it, World War II guys, I mean, they're all badasses, exactly.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And if you're, yeah, if your great great grandfather had been a generation younger, he would have been in the air force, but yeah, it's all yeah. good, yeah, very cool. So uh, what was your understanding of the infantry before you actually went to basic?
2: Uh, they just go shoot things. That's all I knew about. I was like, hey, cool. I want to go shoot things. Let's do this. Like, well, you, sounds like fun.
1: You did a lot of fishing. Did you hunt as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So You you, you knew your way around a weapon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where'd you go to uh, basic? Uh, basic?
2: Fort Benning. Went to Fort Benning, Georgia for basic.
1: That's not, not too far from where you grew up, right?
2: No. Uh, it's about six. Well, no. No, four hours. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking of Atlanta. Six is, uh, four bedding. All
1: right. Did the, did the, I know the Navy did this. I'm pretty sure the Air Force did this, but the, did the Army have stress cards in basic? No, not when I went through Did they ever? I don't think they ever have.
2: Eh, I've heard they do. Oh,
1: no. That's, that's awful, right?
2: Yeah. I, I never got anything It kind
1: of, it kind of defeats the whole point of basic, basic, the whole, one of the major points is to tear you down and to build you back up the way the yeah. army wants to build you back up. Exactly. Stress Destroy cards you, don't help Make that. you
2: feel worthless. And then the army goes, Hey, now I'm going to mold you into what we need you to
1: be. Yeah. Right. And it worked great. It works great. And it's one of those things that you, you don't want to do again, but you look back at fondly. Right.
2: Oh yeah. No. While I was going through it, absolutely miserable. As <laughs> soon as I graduated and my drill sergeants were nice to me, I was like, Hey, you're not so bad of a dude. Like you're actually pretty cool. And they're like, no, we just have to be like that. Cause you're a private and you're a trainee. And I'm like, they're like, you're not a trainee anymore. I'm like, Oh, right. Yeah.
1: Like, by the right. way, by, by, by the way, cool. you're you're welcome. You're you're going to be a better soldier because of this.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like everything we did, all the stuff we made you do, all the horrible things we said to you, you're good now. I was like,
1: yeah, we were, we were just like an older brother. That's all we were. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. It was like an older brother picking on the younger brother and making him into a man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and it it was
2: a 19-year-old me. I was going, whatever, dude. All right, you can yell at me. I've been yelled at before. I had football coaches.
1: All right, so when you went to basic, what did you weigh in at?
2: Uh, I weighed in at basic at 260. No, 280.
1: What did you uh, leave basic at? 230. (laughs) Whoo. <laughs> that's that's a lot of push ups, a lot of running and a lot of fat boy diet. <laughs> Did they uh, basically tell you what you could eat and what you couldn't eat? Yeah,
2: no, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I, I mean,
2: my, my recruiters are like, Hey man, you're a bigger dude. They're going to put you, they're going to tell you what you can and can't eat. I'm like, all right, whatever. I really don't care. Like I've done diets before. Cool. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot of weight in this pretty short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then I guess you, you're in units that are doing hard stuff, and so you, you maintain a, a good weight, right? Yep,
2: and actually well, when I when I got done with AIT, I was down to 195. Wow. That was the lowest, and I looked sick.
1: I, yeah, I was going to say, you probably didn't look, look healthy.
2: No, I, I couldn't remember the last time I'd been that weight.
1: Yeah, 195, you were probably like a freshman in high school, maybe. Yeah.
2: Mm, yeah, eighth grade, freshman in high school, probably. Yeah, wow. Yeah.
1: So, so 315 as a senior in high school playing football to 195 by the time yeah. you finish AIT. How long was AIT for? uh You were a combat medic, right?
2: Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, Lord. It was six months. It's a long time. Yeah.
1: Most AITs are like two, three months. Uh, yeah. Medical and Intel tend to be really long. Yep. Yeah. So Actually, tell-
2: there's there's some medical MOSs. They're there for almost a year. Wow! Like, um, what is it, the uh, Mike Six guys? Because um, there's there were some guys. They were they would be there for combat medic school, and then they would go straight to Mike Six to be an LPN.
1: Oh, and really? Be- the, the, Mike Sixes are, are there a lot of them?
2: Uh sure? yeah. Actually, there are. Uh, they don't call them a Mike Six now. I don't know what they call them now. They got their own whole MOS now, but when I joined, you were a 68 weeks whiskey with a bike six, uh, was like an identifier,
1: right? Uh, like
2: a special skill. And you yep. became an LPN. So,
1: L- LPNs weren't in the field, right? They were in hospitals. Yeah, Straight yeah. hospitals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let me go back to basic. What, what's, uh, either your fondest memory of basic or just the, the thing that kind of sticks with you as a, uh, as a crazy thing or just a, a memorable
2: uh okay that's actually really easy to answer for you my very first weekend there it was a sunday uh we go to breakfast chow and one of the dudes in our platoon got caught going to the atm because he said he wanted to go a wall and we were like oh great and our drill sergeant caught him and we did not stop getting smoked until 9 30 10 o'clock that night and we started off at like 7 in the morning.
1: Oh, it was just it was a 14 and a half hour smoke fest.
2: Yeah, in the in the PT pits, running around, running up and down into the barracks and stuff. And then our senior drill sergeant came in that night because we all got up at, like, 5 in the morning and started cleaning the barracks a little bit, so there was a little bit of dirty mop water and trash in the trash can still. Well, our senior drill sergeant came in that night and got really mad. He had his low crawl underneath the bunks to sweep his floors and... <laughs> Dumped the trash can all over the barracks and spilled mop water everywhere. And I was going, how are we supposed to clean this place, dude? Like the other drill <laughs> sergeants got us outside doing pushups and stuff in the dirt. <laughs> like you're mad because your barracks aren't clean. I get it.
1: That was a one-two punch, man. They, they do it. Oh, do. yeah, it was terrible.
2: It was absolutely terrible. It was probably the longest day of basic.
1: You probably lost eight pounds that one day.
2: Oh, I don't doubt it at all because we would go eat lunch and then it'd be like, oh, hey, guess where we're going. We're going back out to the PG field. Oh, good. I didn't like lunch anyways.
1: <laughs> oh, no. now it's dinner,
2: chow. Oh, no, we're going back out. I didn't like dinner either. So
1: that, that was a, a, an expectation setter and an attention getter all in one.
2: Oh, absolutely. I became bulimic that day like oh. without even wanting to. <laughs>
1: oh, man. Whew. Eat food, uh, throw it up. No, oh, cool. Yeah, you, you move around that much, you can't keep your food down.
2: Oh, no. Yeah. No, everybody threw up. And then if we threw up in the PT field, the drill sergeant got mad and we're like, well. I,
1: we're low, low, cr- low, low crawling to uh, mop the floor is a good one.
2: Yeah, he did. Under the bunk, three people side by side. And he <laughs> said, if you move the bunks, we have to start over. Bunks got moved a
1: lot. So if, if you're a drill instructor and you also happen to be a sadist, you're in heaven.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like some of them are because there's one dude. When I went through basic, he he got a pleasure out of just making dudes cry. I was
1: like. Yeah, that, that was probably his goal.
2: Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it.
1: All right. So uh, six months at, at Sam Houston. Yep. Uh, did you enjoy that experience?
2: Uh, actually, I did. Got to go do some fun things. Uh, got to see the Riverwalk down there in San Antonio. Because uh, on the weekends when we weren't training, there wasn't really anything to do other than Clean the barracks, and once the barracks are clean and the drill sergeants blessed off on it, it was like, Okay, hey, now you guys are free to do whatever. You know, you hang around the area, or some guy, you know, you get a group of dudes and we get taxis and go downtown and, you know, go hang out down at the Riverwalk and just walk around down there and do whatever.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad uh, city to be stationed in. A A lot of places where you go to AIT, you're in the middle of nowhere.
2: Yep. No, but I mean, Fort Sam is right there. It was. If I remember right, it was like a 10-minute cab ride from post to downtown.
1: Yeah, that's that's great for, for an Army post. That's yeah, I cool. mean,
2: and we'd go, we'd go walk around down there, spend the day down there, and be back by whatever time drills are and sold everybody to be back and be in formation for the nighttime, like, head count or whatever it was, and would be it.
1: Yeah, uh, what's the coolest thing you learned at uh, AIT for 68 Whiskey?
2: Oh, uh, let's see. Probably how to do a crike.
1: What, t- tell me more. I'm not a medical guy. What's a crank?
2: Uh, So basically cutting the throat and putting an airway in. Like a trach? Yeah. Whoo. Yep. You, Never thought I'd learn how to do that. And then I did. And I was like, so I, I had to you, actually have to do this. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I should probably really pay attention.
1: How did you practice? Were you doing it on uh I dummies. Uh, just
2: dummies. Yeah. yeah. They had a, like a mannequin head or whatever. And then it had a piece of thick rubber across that was supposed to simulate skin, but it doesn't because it's like half an inch thick. Right. And you're supposed to cut it and all that stuff. And then it had the anatomy there of the, you know, the trachea and all that stuff. And then you practice putting the tube in and inflating the balloon and sealing everything off, securing it. But that was probably, that was probably the most like interesting thing I learned. Cause a lot of other stuff I already knew how to do because of, you know, working with the fire department and stuff
1: you already had some medical experience Yep. did that come in handy
2: uh yeah actually i made the emt portion of ait really easy
1: yeah that's cool uh you have all these skills today or a lot of those skills still today
2: Yep. yep. i still maintain some of my certs um and then i actually for my son's hockey team i do all the uh or i do not all i do a majority of the medical stuff like i'll take a look at kids if they get hurt or uh do concussion testing on them and stuff if the team manager is not around so does
1: Does anybody call you doc
2: no nope.
1: were you called doc in the, uh when you're in units oh yeah of course you were yeah
2: oh yeah no i wasn't bolter i was doc <laughs>
1: hey
2: doc get over here all right okay. uh,
1: all right yeah it's not a turbo
2: when there's a group of like six of us around and you, you, and then somebody yelled, "Hey, Doc, come here!" And We all look around, but, "Oh wait, you're in my platoon." All right, now I'm coming over to you. I got you. <laughs> we had to figure out who you were yelling at.
1: Right. Yeah, it's not 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 an obvious, immediate thing.
2: Yeah. No. All
1: right. So you finished AIT, and you you told the army you wanted to be with an infantry unit or something like an infantry unit, right? Oh no,
2: I didn't get an option.
1: So <laughs> it was no part of the pro- because I forgot it's the army. They don't care. Yeah,
2: yeah you're going to go where they the they army they want to send you. Yeah. i was initially going i was initially going to italy then i was going to go to alaska and then i ended up at fort lewis uh
1: italy's 173rd right Air, yeah. airborne guys and then uh alaska is 24th or 25th uh 25th
2: 25th
1: and then yeah. uh what what unit was it lewis was it-
2: second ID. second id well, there's okay. a couple of them there's triple nickel there's second id and then you had the rangers and sf guys up there too
1: yeah. West coast for the Rangers was at Lewis yep. primarily. Yeah. That's cool. And were you happy to be stationed at Lewis?
2: Uh, initially? No. Just cause I was like, Holy crap. I'm way up North. Never been up here, but then actually it kind of grew on me. Um, it, was actually, it actually turned out to be a lot of fun, especially when my wife got up there and we had our son and we were able to take him to like Mount Rainier and up into Seattle and Tacoma area and all that stuff and see everything they had. I mean, it was completely different than growing up in flatland, Florida. Right. I mean, never seen, I'd never seen really mountains or anything like that before. And like we'd, we'd walk up, we'd wake up, walk out our back door, our back door and look at Mount Rainier every morning.
1: It's gorgeous up there. It just rains a lot, right? Yeah. It, everybody says it
2: rains a lot. I mean, it does but it's not like it's not like southern rain like it's enough to get your clothes damp and make you uncomfortable but like no not like down here in like alabama or growing up in florida where it was like you walk two seconds to your car as soon as you leave a door and you're drenched like no you could walk to your car and be like oh my clothes are a little damp up there and like all right and then they dry off not like having to wring out a shirt or anything like that because you walk outside your mailbox Right. Yeah, yeah. I
1: got it. Yeah. Yeah. I never so,
2: use an umbrella up there.
1: Really? Okay. Nope. Uh, it's a misconception that, that I've had for all these years.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, it rains a lot and it's cloudy and all that stuff, but it's not like it's not like a thunderstorm.
1: It's not like a torrential downpour.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely not.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Absolutely not. It's just enough to make you uncomfortable and piss you off at times.
1: So you were in a were you in the CAV uh a calf yeah. troop?
2: I was in a Cav uh, Cav squadron and did six years up there with them, and then actually when I got down to Fort, I got stationed out of Fort Benning. I ended up going back to another Cav unit. So my entire career was in the Cav.
1: Six years in in a Cav unit in a row—that's unusual, right?
2: Oh uh, well, actually, if you look at it, it was eight total.
1: Six, That's a six long at time. Fort
2: Lewis, and then two down here.
1: Yeah, but the six in Fort Lewis—typically uh, Army guys don't stay in the same unit for that long. No. Yeah, so. Uh, well, really, it's
2: like three, four years and they're gone. But when we got back from our, when we got back from our first deployment, they let some of them leave. And then the other ones, they all fenced us to stay with the unit. Yeah. And then we ended up deploying a second time. And then I finally got to leave.
1: Was, uh, what size unit deployed the first time you deployed? Was it the entire division? Uh,
2: well, It was our whole brigade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was 5th uh, Brigade 2nd ID the first time, and then we got reflagged to 2-2 ID.
1: So you ended up uh, – how long were you in before you deployed, or the first time you deployed?
2: Oh, uh, let's see. I had been in our unit for – I got there in April of 07, and then we deployed in June. No, July of 2009. Yeah. Live nine. So live on 9, because it was right after my son's birthday.
1: So you'd almost been in three years. Yep. The first time you deployed, were you looking forward to it? Were you anxious? Were you scared? What, what was running through your head?
2: Uh Actually a whole lot of mixed emotions. It was, you know, it was kind of, all right, cool. Now I get to actually like go do what I signed up to do. You know what I mean? But then it was also the, well, Crap! I've already had guys killed over there. Like friends of mine that I went to AIT with, and I'm like, I got a wife and son now. You know what I mean? But it was also at the same time going, yeah. But this is kind of what I signed up to do. Yeah. It was was excitement. It was fear. It was just a mixture of everything.
1: It's it's a hell of a uh, thing to to rationalize going to something that dangerous when you know you have loved ones that rely on you and want you to be around. And you're doing something that uh, could make you not come back. It's, uh, oh yeah, no, it was
2: a it was an eye opener. Whenever I was 22 and filling out a will, I was like, never thought I'd do this at the age of 22. I figured I'd be you know like 50 or older before I filled out a will. And then they're like, hey, you need to fill out a will before we deploy. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do that.
1: It's part it's part of the checklist, right? Yeah,
2: they're like, don't worry, we got we got you know Jag to help you out. All right, cool let's we'll fill this thing out and they're like hey if you come back a vegetable do you want your wife to make the decisions on if they pull the plug i'm like sure she can decide <laughs> cool whatever
1: <laughs> Qu- questions nobody should have to answer especially a 22 year old yeah
2: no i'm like right. you guys know something i don't know like i don't even know where we're going like so, is it a bad areas it a good area like
1: well so what what was fifth brigade's mission over there
2: uh it was well at first, it was kind of like a counter guerrilla thing. And then it turned into win the hearts and minds of Afghans.
1: So that happened in 09. Yep. 09 and we,
2: 10 is while I was gone. When we started over there. It was kind of like, hey, do what you got to do. Here's the rules of engagement. And then by the end of it, it was kind of like, hey, win the hearts and minds of them. If they shoot you and they drop a weapon, then don't do anything.
1: So we went from counterinsurgency to where. Yeah, we're, there you go. Counterinsurgency. That's the term I was looking for, not counter guerrilla. Yeah, we're, we're here to help is uh, the Hearts yep. and Minds thing. And Hearts and Minds, like it's, that's a, I'm not sure that's possible, right? I mean, well, you were there, do you think, did you feel yeah, like it was not possible?
2: Not with the people we were around. I mean, my second deployment, yeah. I mean, but you get, because we were in like downtown Kandahar, and there seems to be a higher higher educated population there. And from what I understand up in Kabul, it's even better. But, like, my first deployment being in the outskirts, being out in the middle of nowhere in the desert, like, those people, there's a lot of them that are super uneducated and they did not like us.
1: Yeah. Cause you were not like them. You, yeah. You were nothing like them and you were foreigners. It was like you had landed from a different planet.
2: Yeah. I mean, the only thing, the only thing they really wanted from us was medical help.
1: Yeah. So it was small villages and Taliban. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that entire deployment, was it uh counterinsurgency work the entire uh, time?
2: Yes. And no, uh, it, it just kind of depended on the mission set. I mean, there'd be times where, you know, our unit would go through and, you know, go through a village and search everything and all that stuff. And then we'd also have times where it'd be when the hearts of minds, like we'd go do medcap missions where we'd bring all the beddocks, go set up in a building and say, Hey, all you guys come in here, and we'll treat you. Whatever illness you got, we'll see if we can fix it. You know, any injuries you got, we'll wrap it up. We'll clean it up. We'll do do whatever we got to do. If you got a cyst, you got a boil, we'll cut it out for you. You know, I mean, just try to make everybody happy.
1: Were most of the uh, Afghani's thankful that you? Oh yeah, no. When, things like that? So when
2: we did, when we did that, they were absolutely thankful. Like they would come in, and we'd have our interpreter sitting there, and you know the medic would be working with one and they'd be like, Oh, Hey, you know, we we sit there and be like, all right, well, Hey, what's going on? You know? And they'd be like, Oh, well, I've got this pain in my foot and you'd look down and they'd have like a giant cyst on their leg. And then we'd call the PA over there and we're like, Hey, he's got a cyst. It was like, all right, well, let's get him over here and we'll cut it out real quick, suture it up, make him feel all nice and neat, you know, and then give him some antibiotics and send him along, send him on his way, you know, yeah, so- or, they come up doing- and like, oh, hey, we've had a cough for like four weeks. Okay, well, here's some antibiotics. Here's this. Here's that. You know, make sure you're taking this. Make sure you eat when you take it or whatever it was, you know, and this should help you feel better.
1: So when you're doing the, the medical assistant days or a couple of days, it's it's a bunch of combat medics and, and maybe a couple of PAs kind of thing?
2: Yep. Uh, yeah, we would have... We'd have our PA that was with us. And then they would fly in another PA from the fob up the road to come down and help. And then maybe the Profus doc. So uh basically a doc out of the hospital that was assigned to our unit. He would come and help as well.
1: So you were an HHT in the CAV squadron and then you were attached to one of the troops?
2: Yeah. So we were I was in HHT. Uh I got attached to Alpha Troop. And then during deployment during our first deployment we actually got, it's kind of confusing. We got detached from our squadron, our troop did, and we got attached to an infantry battalion. And then when we got attached to the infantry battalion, they took our troop and split us up and put two different platoons in each different company. Yeah. It's a whole mess. Makes sense in my mind. I explain to other people and they look at me crazy. I'm
1: like, no, I, I mean, it depends wow. on the mission. <laughs> depends on the commander and all that and what they want to do. And, Yep. There's lots of rules about what they can and can't do, and I'm sure they didn't violate the rules, but the casual. Oh, yeah, no, was-
2: absolutely not. No, I mean, because they took, so whatever whatever platoon they from us that they put with the infantry battalion, they took a platoon from the infantry company. I'm sorry, whatever platoon they took from us to put with the infantry company, they took a platoon from the company and put it with our troops. So So it wasn't like they took our troop and completely disbanded us across the infantry. They actually had our troop working with them, but they had two infantry platoons, and then one cap platoon, where everybody else had two infantry platoons and, uh, well, yeah, they all actually we all had thinking about that. We all had two infantry platoons and one cap platoon.
1: And and you guys were striker, but effectively dismounted where you were, or
2: yeah, no, we did. We did a lot of we. We initially did a lot of driving around with the Strikers, and then we also did a lot of dismounted stuff, walking through the villages, walking through the bazaars, anywhere and everywhere.
1: Did did Strikers really work in Afghanistan? Uh, Believe it or not, yeah. Huh. I mean, for the most part. Yeah, it seems odd to me. I I think of the entire country as being very mountainous, but I'm, I'm guessing it's not... No, so where we
2: were, it was actually, where we were, it was actually pretty flat. Now, I mean, up north, from what I understand about northern Afghanistan, I don't think a strike would work. I mean, I think it might, I mean, it might. I mean, I've never deployed up in that area. I was in, you know, RC South area, and there was a lot of flat land. I mean, yeah, there were, there were mountains and stuff, but that was over in, like, Helmand where the Marines were. I mean, we walked, we could see the mountain range that divided us in Helmand but other than that i mean it was just flat desert and roads
1: did you feel like you were in a pretty remote part of the the uh country given what u.s supply could do
2: uh what do you mean like a like Like yeah
1: if you needed something would it take a long time to get it to you
2: uh yes and no i mean i mean we had we had just about everything we needed but like You know if you wanted to go like if say you wanted to go to the px or whatever you know i mean the guys on kandahar could just walk up the road and go to the px for us we had to drive like an hour and a half up the road or two hours i don't remember how long it was we'd we'd have to drive up the road to go to the px to be able to get whatever i mean and then there were times they would come down and see us and bring stuff from there like you know cigarettes and dip and energy drinks and razors and all that other but, ooh, me, all that other stuff.
1: Did you uh, – I, I only needed two things when I deployed. I, I wanted Diet Mountain Dew and dip. And if I got those, I, I was happy.
2: Yeah, dip and cigarettes, I was good.
1: Yeah. And it, it, did you ever run out?
2: Mm, once or twice.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a good good day.
2: No. And then you would smoke an Afghan cigarette, and those are terrible.
1: Why were they terrible? Were they not – tobacco were they something else oh no no they
2: were they were just it was like a like a marble red but like a hundred times worse it was terrible it's... like you take a drag and you're like oh god there's my lungs yep i feel those <laughs> I feel every bit of that
1: i just lost a couple weeks off of my life yeah oh, yeah that track yeah
2: smoke a cigarette and you lose about a year
1: so were you in a lot of firefights the first deployment uh yeah
2: i mean Nothing. I would say nothing out of the ordinary.
1: What? What, what are we talking? Once a week, a couple times a month?
2: Uh more like a couple times a month. We would have guys, you know, getting firefighters when we go help or whatever. It was, and then there were there were quite a few like IEDs and stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, were you ever in a vehicle that was struck by an IED? Tell me, tell me about that experience.
2: Yeah, I'd rather not.
1: Okay. (laughs) No, I understand. Yeah. Look, it's all good. Um,
2: Yeah, no, I'd rather not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, are there parts of that story you don't mind telling or is it just the whole thing? You just don't want to go there? Yeah, I'd rather not. Yeah, it's all good, man. Whatever you're talking about. I understand. Um, Did you feel like you were uh, accomplishing uh, a, a lot over there? as a, as a unit and as. An yeah. yeah
2: I mean, I mean, me, per me personally, I mean, I think medically we, my first deployment, I think medically we did wonders. I mean, there's out of everybody I treated, there's actually, I don't think there's any of them that we lost. I mean, once they got past us, they were good to go. I mean, I mean, once they got past us, whatever happened, I have no idea. But I mean, we gave them, you know, treatment just like we would anybody else. Yeah, I mean, we had a, our, our PA was real big on that, you know, if they came in the aid station, and they were missing an arm or they were missing a leg or whatever. Like it was still okay. Hey, look, yeah, I get it. He could be he'd be very well could be Taliban. But Guess what? We have no idea. He stepped on an IED, maybe it was one he was digging in or whatever, but we're still gonna treat him.
1: Because at the end of the day, you he's a human and we don't really Yeah, know. no,
2: exactly. And he and it was. I mean, he that was his thing. He was like, Yeah, I get it. These guys could be absolutely horrible human beings. And he was like, but A, we don't know. And B, we kind of have the Geneva Convention telling us we have to treat them. And I'm well, like. I and-
1: that. And, and look, life is about odds, and the odds that he was a bad guy pretty low.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, because the, you never knew who was who. So it was like, okay, well, if we don't give him good treatment, could that come back on us and bite us in the ass later on down the road? Right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you were gone for that deployment, like, in country about a, about a year, or was it less yep. than that back then? 12 months. 12, 12 solid months in country. That That's a long yeah, time.
2: Maybe maybe a few days shy. I mean, and then the two weeks for r r So maybe, yeah. I'd say maybe 11 and a half total.
1: In country because of the two weeks of r r yeah, Because of the uh, two weeks R&R. Did you, w- did you take that earlier or later? Uh,
2: I did. So I can't, let's see, I left in June and I was home in, what was it, November. I was home for Thanksgiving, I believe. Okay. If I remember right. Yeah, I was home for Thanksgiving.
1: So you had more time on the on the backside of R and R than you had yeah. on the front side.
2: Yeah, yeah. And personally, personally, me personally, I would much rather not have R and R. It'd just be. My, my second deployment was nine months, no R and R. It was great.
1: Did you come home for for R and R, or did you meet? Yeah, no, I did. I
2: came home, uh, hung out with my wife and son for two weeks, and uh, I mean, we had a we had a good time. I mean, and I say I say it was great not having R and R, but. It was good to see him, but then it was like, oh, hey, look, I have to leave again. And my son was three at the time when I deployed, so he didn't understand. Yeah, he. he... No, I'm sorry. He was. No, he was two when I left. Yeah. Two when I left. I'm sorry. Yeah, he was two. He had just turned two. So he didn't understand that, Like when I first got back for R&R, he kind of looked at me like, who are you and where have you been, dude?
1: Yeah.
2: And then. It's, it's, and- it's
1: a bummer, right?
2: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It was it was hard enough saying bye once and then you know, you see everything that goes on over there and it's like, okay, now I get to say bye again. And don't know, you still don't know if you're coming back. I mean, it was easier it was easier the second deployment than it was my first cuz there was 9 months I talked to them on the phone and then I came home. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, it's almost like you you deploy twice for that first deployment.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was like leaving twice, especially that early in the deployment. Yeah. You know, going home on R&R. Yeah.
1: Uh so when you came back, uh you came back to Lewis. Yep. What did the army do to help you reintegrate with life in the states even though you're still still a soldier and that's a different lifestyle than a typical civilian lifestyle. There's still it's an adjustment, right?
2: Yeah, oh no, it absolutely is. I mean, I came back from my first deployment and was i had been home, maybe 24 hours. And I guess the president was up there or something and some crop dust or airplane like flew into the 500 mile like no fly zone for the president and they scrambled jets and broke the sound barrier right over Fort Lewis and shook my house and my wife was laying across my lap. And I kind of was just like, Hey, get off me! I gotta figure out what just blew up. Mm. Right. Yeah, I mean, then Actually, I really don't think there was much of anything we really did. It was kind of like, okay, hey, we're back. Go do the SRP stuff. Here's two weeks of leave, and we're back to work.
1: You only got two weeks of leave? Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah, got back. I was home, what was it, two weeks, I think. And then I took two weeks of leave after doing all the redeployment stuff, all the physicals and Talking to everybody, like, hey, did you get exposed to blood over there? I was like, I was a medic. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: yes. A lot. Yeah. No.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. What, what are you going to tell you? You know, you're like, well, did you do this? I'm like, yep. Did you do this? Yep. All right. Cool. Here you go. Bam. Stamp it. All right. We're out. And then get back, and everybody's like, all right. Hey, take you two weeks to leave. We'll see you in two weeks. And we're getting back to train.
1: Do you, uh, since your both of your deployments have you been to the VA for anything and, and i'm not i'm not asking for medical answers oh yet. yeah
2: yeah no 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 yeah i've been been to the VA for stuff i mean i don't i don't like the VA
1: it, uh, well, so is the process just ungodly slow and uh, yes. even when you get to see somebody it's not very helpful
2: yeah absolutely i mean i yeah. see my i see my primary care with the VA every 6 months and it's, hey, go get some blood work done. All right, cool. Here's what your blood work says. You got anything wrong with you? And I'm like, well, my shoulder still hurts. All right. See you later. Come make another appointment for six months.
1: It's it's almost like you're going through an assembly line. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah pretty much. I mean, that's how it feels.
1: All right. So when you deployed the second time, you were with 2-2, uh, you said? Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, same, I- exact, same exact unit, but our brigade just got reflagged.
1: And, and two, but two, two was still at Fort Lewis, right? The entire, yes, yeah. Uh, the entire brigade was at Lewis, yes. Okay. And so, where were you? where did you deploy the second time?
2: Uh, same area, uh, just a little bit further up the road. I was in, uh, sorry, computer was trying to restart. Um, so first deployment, I was in RC South, or well, both deployments, was in RC South. So, first deployment, I was out in Mayawand. And then that's out in the middle of nowhere. And then second deployment, I was actually in Kandahar City on a FOB.
1: So did they, what year was this, by the way?
2: The uh, first one was 09 to 10, second one was 12 to 13.
1: So it had been a couple of years. It sounds like uh, that brigade kind of stayed in the same area for a while. Yep. Wow. In
2: our zone, uh, Actually, yeah, no, we did. We actually were in the same-
1: I meant division, sorry. That division stayed in the same place for
2: a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I think division was there uh, because when we deployed the first time to Afghanistan, uh, 2nd ID's, I think it was 3rd or 4th Brigade was coming back from Iraq. There was a whole big thing of, oh, look, the last vehicles coming across the Iraqi border, blah, 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 like they were doing that as we were leaving.
1: Operation New, New Dawn in Iraq. It's basically the operation to get everything out of out of the country. Yeah,
2: I, I, I don't, yeah, also, I don't I, know anything I, about Iraq. Never been there except it, to stop on the way home for R and R.
1: It's it's yeah. not a place you want to visit. I can tell you that. Um, yeah, I'm good. Just and I've never been to Afghanistan, and you could I'm sure you tell me the same thing about Afghanistan. Yep,
2: not a place you want to visit. It's not yeah. place, I, you know, I wouldn't go vacation there.
1: I, I you have to be nuts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, well, so was the second deployment? I mean, you were in a FOB. You were in Kandahar City. Was was it? Significantly different than your first deployment?
2: Absolutely. Uh so because of the rank I was and all that stuff, and my commander had me. So our HHT, we broke off. We had a different mission set, and we were doing we were working hand in hand with the Rangers and their mission set at the time. Um and it was a whole different experience. I wasn't out walking around every day. I wasn't driving around or anything like that. It was more so doing stuff in the talk, and then doing missions at times. Like it wasn't a daily, daily task of hey, we're gonna go walk around for eight hours a day in the middle of summer.
1: Would were wounded transported to you, or were you out? Uh,
2: no, so wounded know? wounded would come to the aid station, um, and whenever they had them, we would we would treat them and stuff, but. Other than that, I mean, that was about it because I was I was more I was more senior and I wasn't a line medic anymore. So I wasn't out walking around with the dudes and all that stuff. I had other guys doing that that I was over. Um, But E5, E6? I was E5, but I was working. So I was working in our HHT talk instead of our headquarters or squadron talk. But I was also working in the aid station at the same time.
1: So you're busy, too.
2: Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a lot uh, of those days. But so, okay, it's midnight, go to sleep. Oh, hey, it's four o'clock in the morning, gotta get up again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uncle Sam didn't didn't really care.
2: Nope, four hours.
1: <laughs> about
2: all I got every, yeah. almost every night, four hours.
1: Yeah, it's if brutal. It's lucky insane.
2: if I got lucky, five to five and a half.
1: And that was seven days a week, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the whole deployment. Yep. Yeah, that's uh
2: that wears it makes, it, makes, it makes the days go by really quick when you're that busy.
1: That's the, that's the good news. Yep. The yeah. bad news is you're bone tired most of the time.
2: Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, tired.
1: So when when you left in 13, did you feel like Afghanistan had changed from from 09 to 13 or did did, did it feel like deja vu?
2: Not really. You know, I mean it, it it kind of felt the same. Didn't feel like there was much of a difference. I mean, I can tell you there were from the first time I drove through, like the first time we drove through downtown Kandahar in 09 to the last time I left Kandahar on a helicopter. I mean, looking at it, nothing changed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Everything looked the exact same. There was no improvements. There was nothing. I mean, there was more stuff on the road. But
1: Do you think the attitude of the Afghanis had changed from uh, 09 to 13?
2: I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of encounters with the Afghanis. I mean, there were, there were some missions we went on, but it would be more of my commander talking and me just being in the room with him because I had the radio to help him. Right. And I mean, he do most of the talking. I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't like, so the, the whole medical thing changed as well. So my first deployment, it was, yeah, bring your, bring your wounded to us. You know, they, they, if they step on an IED or they get shot, like bring, bring your, bring your wounded, bring your kids, bring your husband, bring your wife, you know, if they get messed up, bring them to us, we'll treat them. Second deployment, it was, if they came to the FOB, it was like, nope, hey, take them to the Afghan hospital up the road and let them do it. Mm. So it was a whole, whole different ball game medically.
1: Why do you think that decision was made to to send them to their own medical help?
2: Uh, My best guess is kind of force them to do it on their own.
1: Yeah, help them uh, mature, essentially.
2: I mean, yeah, yeah, help them mature. I mean, but I think it was also kind of like a, a security kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was always the threat of suicide bombers or this and that, or the you know green on blue incidences and stuff like that. I mean, it was. I think it was more of a security thing but
1: yeah so we, when you got came back from the second deployment you came back to lewis yep and then a little while later you end up at benning yep and, and you're still uh you're an e5 combat medic at, yep at i was e e5 promotable uh
2: right before i left and then uh i'd been e5 promotable for a while actually because you know, lovely medic points, you can't ever get promoted.
1: It's hard, uh, man.
2: Oh, yeah, they were it's maxed hard. out for like a year and a half. I was like, this is stupid. Yeah. Like I don't have 798 points. I'm not gonna get promoted. Whatever. All right, I'll stay in e5. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, got down here. I was an e5 promotable, and I was in charge of thirty different medics. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: That's a big so job. It was, my, it
2: was my yeah, it was my platoon sergeant and then it was me right underneath. Like he was in charge of everybody and then I had basically the same amount of people minus him and my LT. Wow. Yeah, i did basically his right-hand man helping him
1: out. Only two NCOs in the in the whole Oh no, there were
2: more NCOs. They were they were over everybody else, but I was kind of the third in line, I guess you could say. I was the I was the main section sergeant. Okay. Cuz I mean not to speak badly, but the other one was not the sharpest tool in the shed.
1: Do, do you think that that uh, E5 will listen to this recording? Oh, sure. if it does, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's that's kind of what I assumed. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, no. I mean, I, I busted I busted his balls while we were while I was still in there with him, and you know, yeah, love so, him to death. I mean, but he just it, it was different. Like, so when I got there, there were three of us. No, two. Two that had actual like legitimate combat medic experience, like treating dudes that have been messed up, you know, and my Sergeant Major was like, Hey, it's you and him. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. nobody, no, nobody else has combat experience. And then they had, we had another one show up actually, he showed up right before I did and then because and I found it, then I found out they all forgot about him and I was like, Oh, Hey, cool. So there is a third awesome but everybody else there had been deployed to like kuwait yeah i got you know, it like, we don't know we don't have a cmb we don't have anything like that like we have efmbs i'm like cool you can do stuff by a book
1: right go, go read your book in the corner that's great
2: good job you can do stuff <laughs> by the book do you stuff do, in real life and then come talk to me
1: you can do stuff in a sterile training environment that's awesome exactly
2: yeah. With somebody watching you
1: yeah <laughs> and, and, and giving you uh hints and all kinds of fun stuff yeah yeah,
2: yeah. No. Uh, ball game when you're doing it by yourself.
1: (laughs) So you you spent a couple years at at bidding and and did not deploy. It sounds like
2: no, no, uh, we, what was it? We basically took over the 82nd stuff. We were doing the whole QR, like QRF thing that the 82nd used to do. And we were starting to train to do that. And then we did uh, a couple of physicals and stuff. And then, then that's where they were like, Hey, you got a messed up head, and I'm like, Okay. Like you need to go get checked. I'm like, all right, cool. And then between that and having PTSD and stuff, they're like, and army started downsizing. They're like, nope, see you later, dude. I was like, oh.
1: And when I'm, they said I'm, I'm, I'm messed up, up with up. when they said messed up head, what do they mean? They, they uh guys
2: and stuff. I had I have real, real bad memory. Like short-term memory loss is horrible.
1: Like uh from concussion
2: yeah if i don't if i don't if i don't write it down 30 minutes later i completely forget about it
1: does it uh does it have a really deep impact on uh your quality of life
2: uh yes and no i mean it gets my wife mad at me quite a bit like there was one time she told me to put the flea treatment on the dog's back and apparently it took me like three weeks to do it. And then we were sitting on the couch one day and I was like, Oh, Hey, I need to put flea treatment on the dog's back. She was like, I told you that three weeks ago.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, you
2: it got me in trouble a lot. When I first got down here, cause my platoons are like, Hey you guys need to go do this. And I'm like, all right, cool. Got it. And i go off and I go do something real quick. and I come back and like an hour later, they'll be like, Hey, why are the guys sitting downstairs? And I'm like, you haven't told them what to do.
1: It's it's scary and frustrating, right? It's got to be. Oh, absolutely!
2: I get lost all the time, even if I drive to places.
1: Yeah. So wow. I'll,
2: I'll I'll go past a turn, and my wife's like, "You forgot where we're going, right?" And I'm like, "Nah, taking the scenic route. It's all good."
0: <laughs>
1: Did, and, I'll
2: uh, and I'll go where I need to go. Does
1: it Does it get better over time, or does nope. it stay about the same? Nope, it it's
2: good. gotten worse actually. Oh,
1: Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that sucks, man.
2: I have fun with it. People are like, Oh, I'm so sorry, man. That sucks. I'm like, no, I have fun. Actually. I have a lot of fun with it.
1: You have have a good attitude about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what what am I going to do? I can't make it any better.
1: Yeah. You you figure out how to, how to live with it. And uh...
2: yeah, I mean, we've, we've, my wife and I figured out how to manage it. I write a lot of things down to write a lot of notes to myself, especially having my own business. I really have to write a lot of notes to myself because otherwise things wouldn't get done. And then I also have my wife who's like, Hey, Hey, you didn't write this down. And I'm like, thank you. Appreciate thanks, you that.
1: Thanks thanks for being here to get me yeah, to write it down. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Or, th- or things will pop up on my board out in my garage. And I'm like, where did this come from? I guess I need to do it. Somebody wrote it on there. I don't know if I wrote it or my wife. And I look at it. And I'm like, nope, that's her handwriting. Because yeah. I write like a toddler.
1: So somebody who loves me wrote this down. So I should probably exactly. Do it. Yeah. It's like
2: those post-it notes, you know, people leave when they're being all romantic, like, hey, I love you. It's like, no, hey, get this done. <laughs> got it.
1: <laughs> so they're post-it notes everywhere.
2: No, no. No, it's just it's just, it's just one of those things. It's like, hey, did you write this down? Yep. Got it. All right, cool. Like right. if I go to the grocery store by myself without her, it is terrible.
1: You just kind of walk around
2: random things and I'll come back and she's like, there's nothing that we needed on here. And I'm like, my bad.
1: Do you do the two of you mostly laugh when that sort of thing happens or is it frustrating
2: or, or initially it was frustrating. And then we figured out what was going on and then it became, Oh, okay. Hey.
1: Yeah. We we can figure out how to manage this.
2: Yep. Exactly.
1: All right. So when you, when you got out, did you know what you were going to do?
2: Uh, no not really i mean i'd been raised I, i've been doing woodwork since I was five so I was like well let's give this a shot and see what happens you know what i mean and I went back to school for marketing i actually have my bachelor's in marketing now um, but that hasn't turned up anything because apparently i don't have enough marketing experience in the civilian world which
1: I don't have any to get a, to get a marketing job. Exactly. Yeah, but it helps you with your business now, right? It does. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So, so, uh how quickly after you got out of the army did you form your company?
2: Uh, let's see. I got out in what in the world?
0: <laughs> Is
1: all it right. popping up on the on the computer?
2: Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I hit the. All right, how do I get this back? All right, I have no idea. What the world was going on?
1: You're still good with me. I can hear you.
2: Okay. That'll work. Can you it still was, me? Was,
1: Yeah, yeah. You're good. If it's okay. not bothering you, it's not bothering me.
2: Yeah, no, it's all good. No, so it uh I mean, we so we started doing everything and it was more so of like a a side gig kind of thing. Um, hey, there we go. And uh then in june we actually met our business partner we have now and he uh it the, started the, off
1: the june that right after you got out no
2: no no. sorry i'm sorry june of 2020 oh wow okay. when we met our business partner and he uh so we we'd done different things for friends and family and stuff like that saying hey you know you want to build just let me know xyz and we did that um and then it became a business well it became a business idea in december after i'd been working with our now business partner for a while uh and then we actually launched the usa flagworks business in april of this year
1: so you guys are brand new yes that's all awesome.
2: new so i mean like i said i did it as a hobby you know, just as something to do while I was going to school, you know, and it wasn't like bringing in ungodly amounts of money or anything like that. It was just, oh, hey, cool, look, I got a little extra spending money. Awesome. You know, but now it is full-fledged, like, hey, we hit the ground running in April and haven't really looked back since. So you guys are rolling. Yes.
1: So so tell uh, the listening audience what, what uh, USA Flagworks does.
2: Uh, so what we are is, I mean, obviously it's a veteran owned business. Um, but what we're looking for is uh, the main goal is to get the company big enough and have a big enough following and grow it to where we can actually help other small veteran owned businesses like myself was at a time and be able to kind of springboard them and to help them grow their business. So, cause my, my business partner saw an opportunity with me and was like, Hey man, here's what I want to do. I want to help you. Like, and then after we got talking about it, you know, with, between him, myself and my wife, it was like, Hey, we should actually try to find small veteran owned businesses, bring them in. We put them on our website for, you know, a month or whatever, promote the heck out of them with everybody. He knows everybody we know, cause that dude knows, knows everybody and get them to where they can make their businesses even bigger and actually help them propel everything but what we do right now is we make custom flags so we've got three different size flags we've got a personal size flag a living room size flag uh a waving flag that we do where the wood actually waves and then actually you can see it behind me because i just we just unveiled it The uh, drape flag behind us is our newest one. Um, And so the drape flags are not customizable. All the other flags are completely customizable. We can put names, logos, anything you want on there. We put it on there and within, as soon as you order it, within two to three weeks, three weeks is the maximum. It is shipped and coming to you. It just depends on the workload we've got at the time.
1: Are you doing all the woodworking yourself, or do you have people helping you?
2: Uh, so it started off as myself, and I before we actually launched everything, we were doing flags with our business partner. We were doing like ten at a time just to send them out to his people to see what they thought of them. And I would get maybe five done a week, and then my wife stepped in. And was like, "Hey, she's got a she's got her bachelor or her, her bachelor's in law and her master's in management." and so she kind of came in and everything she learned in school she's like hey no we need to do this this way and she came up with this whole like step-by-step thing of okay now we need to do we need to do this and this and this and this on these days cool got it she'd be like hey you need to have these seven flags done with you know cutting them out or putting the logos on there and then these next seven need to be done whenever and we're now actually up to being able to do about 20 of them a week.
1: That's that's pretty good throughput.
2: Oh yeah, no, I actually I give my wife every bit of credit on that one.
1: Yeah, uh, if your wife's like my wife, she can figure out processes a lot better than I can and she's certainly oh, yeah. a lot more, lot more organized than I am.
2: Absolutely, like I thought I was organized and then she came in and started helping me and I was like, I fought it at first. I was like, no, I'm stuck in my ways of doing things this is how I do things. This is how things are being done. And she was like, no, we need to make this way more productive. She's like, you have way too many flags to be doing it your way. She's uh,
1: she's smarter than you. Maybe. Uh, I know well, my wife is. And, you, and at this point in your marriage, you probably learned that uh, happy wife, happy life.
2: Yeah. But also kind of acknowledge the, the knowledge that she has. Yeah. And that it makes things even better. Business wise.
1: Right. You, you could be
2: way more productive, way more effective. Cause I I will tell you right now I was unaffected.
1: Well, I mean, it
2: my way. And then she stepped in and was like, Hey, no, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, for about two days. And then I finally realized what she was doing. And I was like, Nope. Okay. Actually this works way better than anything. I did.
1: Jeremy, you weren't uh, necessarily wrong. She was just more right than you were.
2: Yeah, no, I like to look at it. Like that. That's actually not a bad way of looking at it. I was right at for two days. <laughs> and then I was like, Okay, no, I'm dead wrong. <laughs> no, nope, I'll, I'll throw in the white towel. I'll wave the white flag. Like, hey, yep. No, nope, I surrender. Your way is 100 times better than mine is.
1: Yeah, right. So if, oh, if our if our listeners uh, want to check out your products or want to purchase something, how do they do that?
2: Uh, so they can either go Oh, so to purchase them, they have to go to www.usaflagworks.com. Um, but if they want to, you know, reach out and send us a message and ask us any kind of questions or anything, they can either go to the Facebook page. Uh, they can just search at USA flag works and they can send us a message on there, or if they go to the website, there's a, uh, email down there. It's the support at usaflagworks.com and they can send us an email saying hey how does the process work we've got plenty of videos that we can send them Uh, actually on our facebook page is the video of how actually that flag right there was made uh it's not a full video it's little snippets of it showing the showing the process um actually no i'm sorry i take that back it's not that flag it's the colored version of the flag so we have a red, white and blue version and then we have the subdued version of the the drape flag. But uh they can go on there send us an email and my wife runs the email for everything on that. They can ask whatever questions they want, say hey, you know how does the process work? Can you send us pictures of whatever? You know, if they don't see a picture they want or if they want to say hey, can you put this logo on a flag before I order it? Send it to us. Absolutely. We'll let you know, hey, yeah, we can do it or no, we can't that's and a, and about 99% of the time. I could put it on the flag and I do everything by hand. Every, a, every bit of detail in a logo is burned by hand, everything.
1: You're very, very talented. Jeremy, I can yeah, tell yeah. a couple of times I've been to your website. You're like, wow, I didn't know that some of the things you're doing were even possible.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. It's a, it's a huge, huge compliment. Hmm? You can say it was.
1: Yeah, she she can join. Tell her, tell her she can speak into the oh, come mic. Come on over.
2: <laughs> no, what were you saying? Oh, that one. Yeah, the
0: is
2: made. Okay. Yeah, no, she reminded me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, so actually, because initially we weren't sure if we were able to, so the the hockey world—I don't know if you've read about it—just had a fairly significant loss on July fourth with one of the goalies from CBJ.
1: I did not know that.
2: Yep. So the Columbus Blue Jackets, one of their goalies had, there was a firework incident and the goalie actually passed
1: Oh my gosh! due
2: to injuries and all that stuff. So we actually have our business partner called us up and said, Hey man, need a big flag fast. And it was like 1130 at night. And I was like, huh? And he was like, yeah, need a big flag fast. I said, all right, cool. What do we got? And he was like, Hey, we're going to make a flag and we're going to send it to their organization as a as a tribute to him you know wow. saying hey you know this is that and blah 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 we're gonna put this on there we're gonna put this there and i was like cool got it and he was like how quickly can we get it out he talked to us about that on tuesday and it's getting shipped out on saturday
1: wow it's Started a big it
2: yesterday fl- and it's getting shipped out on saturday
1: it's a big flag
2: yeah no it is it's one of our living room flags and it's 37 inches long and 19 and a half inches wide
1: Wow. Is yeah. your par- is your partner a big hockey guy too?
2: Yeah, he is. Yeah. Huge hockey fan. Huge, huge into hockey and all that stuff. Um, and he's been, like I said, he's been a huge help with everything with his connections and all that stuff and getting the word out about everything and helping grow the business. So
1: uh Jeremy, tell tell me your favorite hockey story.
2: Oh, let's see. Oh, my favorite hockey story actually. Yeah so it would actually be my son so his uh his what was it his first year playing travel hockey he got his first oh no his first game he ever played as a goalie so he got um he got what is it 20 the team lost like 28 to zero oh, he put goalie pads on like three times the kid that was supposed to be the goalie broke his wrist, and his coach calls us and says, "Hey, I need you to bring goalie gear for Jake to play in this tournament." And I'm like, "Dude, he's put goalie pads on like three times." And he's like, "It's all good." I'm like, "All right, whatever." First game he plays, loses twenty-eight to zero, comes off with the biggest smile on his face. Like, my wife and I are like, "God, he's gonna hate this." Comes off with the biggest smile on his face. And he was like, that was awesome. I'm like, but you sucked. I didn't <laughs> tell him that. I'm like, you let 28 goals in, dude. It like, <laughs> didn't let in any. Yeah, but I had fun, dad. And he was like, I had a blast. And I'm like, all right, cool. You really like doing this. And then about three, four months later, he got his first shutout. And he, looked, he came off the ice mad. And I'm like, why are you mad? Like, you got your first shutout, dude. Like, you should be happy. Like, if you were 21, I'd take you out to go get a beer. Like, like, hey, congratulations, dude. And he was like, I didn't do anything. That's the point, sir. I was like, hey, don't, don't be mad about that. Like, that's the purpose of it. Yeah, You don't want to do anything as a goalie. Like, that, that's good. That means your team is keeping the puck away from you. And he was like, but we won, and I just stood there. Yeah. Now he gets get, a shut now. He gets a shutout and he's all excited. Yeah. But I always remind him, like, hey, your first shutout, dude, you hated the world and everybody who lived in it. Like you were just mad. And he was like, No, I wasn't. And I'm like, oh, absolutely.
1: It, it, it's all about perspective. As an adult, you really appreciate a shutout as a kid who just wanted to mix it up and have fun. I get yeah. his point. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he was
2: like, I touched it. he was like, I stopped like two pucks. And I'm like, that's good. <laughs> and he was like, but I didn't do anything. That's all I kept on talking about. Well, I didn't do anything. I didn't help my team win. I'm like, no, actually, you did. Yeah. But, yeah, of course you did. All right, whatever. Oh, my wife actually has one that's different. What you does got? She want, does
1: she? Does she want to tell it directly? Yeah, yeah come yeah, here real quick. I,
0: will, I will tell it directly. I don't want to be on camera.
1: Oh, she doesn't yeah, want well, to be on camera. We don't. Vi- we don't share, the, vi- we don't share the video. We don't share the video. We don't share the video. can
0: you
2: hear me though? Here, come yeah. here.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they don't. They don't share the video. He doesn't share the video. So, you're good. So,
0: this past season, he got his very first concussion, Mm -hmm. and we were in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Um, this. Raleigh, for us, is about an eight to nine hour drive. Okay? Yep. We did not know, because of COVID rules, we couldn't go into the arena where he was playing. We had to watch it on our phones. We didn't know he had a concussion. Mm -hmm. He comes out, and he's like, my head hurts. And we said, okay, no problem. We get him into the car and he falls asleep and wakes up 10 minutes later. And he was like, oh, great. I had this great nap. And we're like, what? He goes, yeah, I slept for an hour. We're like, you slept for 10 minutes. And then proceeded to talk the whole way home for the entire nine hours.
2: Eight hours (laughs) or eight and a half, actually nonstop talking. That's how we
0: found out he had a concussion, because normally you can't hear him at all.
2: It was terrible.
0: You have to, like, check the back seat to make sure he's not, like, we didn't leave him at a gas station. This time, you knew he was there.
2: Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) you knew every bit of
0: it. like. And I guess when it all came out with his coach about what happened, he called Jake over, and he was like, after the first goal, and he was like, are you okay? And Jake's like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And then he goes back out, another goal goes in, and he calls him back over, and he's like, Jake, are you okay? He goes, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And then he calls him back over after the third goal goes in, because he literally raised his hand, and then the puck was already in the back of the net.
2: There was like a 10-second delay. The (laughs) puck goes in the net, ref's already getting the puck out of the net, and
1: (laughs) And his his hand comes up,
0: and we're like...
1: It's funny, funny now, not funny then, I'm sure. No, oh, it, yeah. it no. was
0: so disturbing then. That was the first encounter. Like, out of the seven years he's played hockey, he's never had a concussion until last season. And it had to be some of – I knew my child was not going to be a CEO, but after that concussion, I was like, oh, my gosh, there is something seriously wrong with you. Yeah, like but it was hilarious. The next
2: day, the next day he's sitting there making lunch and he was like, I'm gonna make chicken nuggets for lunch. And we're like, all right, cool, whatever, dude. Turns the oven on and he's like, I'm gonna go take a nap. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you were like, we thought you were making lunch. And he was like, Oh, yeah, 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 that's what I was doing. And then oven heats up and he puts his chicken nuggets in this oven and he was like, All right, I'm gonna go take a nap. And I'm like, no.
1: You have food in the oven. That's not how this works.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He was like, (laughs) I do. I'm like, you just put it there. And he's like, oh yeah. I got like 12 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, sit down. Like you're not taking a nap, sir.
1: Is he, is he okay now?
2: Oh Oh, yeah. yeah, No, yeah. yeah. He's absolutely good now. Yeah.
0: But it was hilarious. My mom was with us and she, that was one of the first trips she had rode with us. And she looked at me and Jeremy and we're like, is he always this talkative on road trips? And we were like, no, no,
1: no, never. This is the first time.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually knew he was there.
2: Yeah. I mean, he actually, he got quiet for five minutes and then looked at his grandma and goes, you thought I was going to stop talking, didn't you? Joke (laughs) on you. (laughs) And then he just started talking again about random stuff. And it was just like, oh my Lord. But it made the trip go by really, really fast.
1: Yeah, very, very I'll fast. That, like did it did you,
2: not feel like an eight-hour road trip. It felt like I was on the road for about two, <laughs> yeah. and then we were home. And I'm like, we
1: the did,
2: did we stop for gas? <laughs> I was like, no, no, we did. And I was like, all right, now we're going to the ER. We're gonna get you looked at, son. <laughs> yeah. And he Something's walked in, and they're like, yep, like, yep, he's got a concussion. And I'm like, you don't say.
1: <laughs> and and what? And what? And what do they do for concussion? uh for him
2: nothing he wasn't allowed actually he was pulled out of school for two weeks so he actually got a two-week early vacation uh for school for christmas break um and then he wasn't able to use his phone or look at tv or anything like that for about a week and a half and then they're like if he's able to tolerate it after you know x amount of days then he can slowly integrate back into things and all that stuff. And it was probably, I'd say, what, about three weeks or so before he was fully able to sit there and look at the TV without his head hurting or play on his phone or watch something on his phone or anything like that. So.
1: Yeah. And How how did he get the concussion from a puck? uh, From a puck puck, hitting him in the mask. Yeah.
0: He had a puck and just hit the right way. And when his coach called him over there the final time, he was like, Jake, just get off the ice. And he go, And Jake looked at him, and Jake is never this blunt with anybody. He was like, thank God, because my head hurts. Mm. And then got on the bench and just sat there.
1: Oh, poor guy. Yeah. yeah.
0: He's like I- his dad. He's six foot. Uh, he's six
2: foot now, and he's wears a size 14 shoe like I do, and he just turned 14. and <laughs> He's a big boy. Oh, yeah. It's he likes sure. to think he's he likes to think he's taller than me. i'm like no sir you still got another two inches to go nice try
1: yeah. yeah well it's good to be big if you're gonna play goalie too right
2: yeah oh he fills up the net that's for sure
1: all right how did you two meet
2: uh so actually we met in middle school
1: all right nice
2: yep we met in middle school I thought um he was weird. she thought i was weird and i liked her <laughs> in middle school and then we went to two separate high schools uh and then Got uh, as soon as we got out of high school, it was probably actually, no, it was about a year after we got out of high school
0: almost, yeah,
2: almost a year. And it was her birthday, it was her birthday party. And a friend of mine was like, Hey, man, a friend of mine's birthday party is you know going on. And he was like, I don't want to go by myself. Do you want to go with me? And I was like, No, like, I don't want to go to somebody's birthday party, I don't know who it is. Like, it's kind of weird. And he was like, no, come on, man, come on. And I was like, all right, whatever, dude. And I did, and I came walking up and she was like, hey, I know you. And I was like, cool, because I don't know who you are. <laughs> she was like, you're Jeremy Mulder. I was like, I sure am. Still don't know who you are. She was like, I'm Madeline. And I'm like, Madeline, Madeline, Madeline. And we started talking and I was like,
0: oh,
2: okay. <laughs> And that's kind of it. Like, just took off from there and been married for 14, almost 15 years now. And
1: Oh, so y'all got married before you joined? Yeah, uh, No, we
2: got engaged before I joined and then got married. Actually, I went home for Christmas leave, actually, to get married.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Okay. It's worked out.
2: Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Got married
0: at 19 years old. Got married
1: at 19 years old and been going strong. I'd be looking for my third wife, probably, if I got married when I was 19. <laughs>
2: nah, I've got my one, and she's my rock.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's all good. The That's biggest awesome. Supporter
2: on, biggest supporter on the woodworking thing and everything else, and actually the biggest helper, too. Yeah, she's,
1: she's got you set up, man.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, she'll go out there and she'll work with but She'll burn the back of the flag. She burns the stripes on the flags, and does all the sizing of the logos for everything, traces all the stars out so I can cut them out real quick.
1: That's awesome, man. Oh, well, yeah,
2: I, no, we're a dynamic duo.
1: Jeremy, we're right at an hour and a half, and uh, I don't want to take any more of your time. And we typically go about an hour, 15, an hour and a half. I, w- I will say that I hope your business absolutely crushes it. I hope you're able to help hundreds, maybe even thousands of other people uh, Veteran-owned businesses, and I am deeply, deeply appreciative of your service to our country. I can't thank you enough, and I thank really you, appreciate, man, I
2: appreciate that.
1: And I really appreciate you joining us and uh, talking to me about your story, man.
2: Yeah, man. Hey, just one more thing, if I can. So, sure, please. Completely forgot to mention it, and I feel like a like a jerk. So, another thing: we actually just started in June with USA Flag Works is nominate a veteran. Uh, it's to be the spotlight veteran of the month so if anybody who's listening knows a veteran they want to nominate send us an email at support at usaflagworks.com or send us a message on our facebook page give us a write-up on them say hey look this is why i want to nominate him here's his info this is what he did in the military this is what he's doing after the military he or she and let us know and then every month on the 15th we decide who it is and whoever gets uh, whoever gets picked receives a free flag from us that says spotlight Veteran of the month it's got a little set of dog tags on there it says the month and year on it
1: No, that's a great idea and this is you can nominate certainly guys that are uh out of the military but even guys that are current guys and gals that are currently serving right
2: uh not necessarily. So we're looking for, we're looking to get their story out of what they're doing, like what they did in the military and what they're doing now. Got it. So it's, so it's, it's kind it's, of bring it, it, the it now. light of, Hey, look, this guy was in the military or this girl was in the military. And now look how super successful she, he or she is outside of the military.
1: Yeah. They, they did some amazing things in the military and they're, and they're still doing amazing things after. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah. Very cool. Eventually we'll, eventually,
2: we'll get to a service member of the month. We're just starting with veterans of the month.
1: No, I got it. Yep, makes so. sense. That's awesome, man. All right, well, cool. Hey, I'm going to stop the recording real quick.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at you.